Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 259 for Monday, June 8th, 2020. Welcome back to Gig Gab, the show by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. Still, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in San Jose, California, Paul Kent. Yeah, man. It's just us today. We've been having a lot of guests lately, which is great. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, Same. all the conversations have been cool. I got um, a couple guys that I'm lining up to tell you about. I have a, um, uh, a, a guitarist who's kind of a... He's just really giving with all of his information, and he's actually done some really cool things helping people around the world who want to get into looping. Oh, and uh, cool. he's, he's going to come on the show from New Zealand. So we'll have I think this will be our first international guest, too. That's possible, although although it, it, we that 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 is likely true, although it's possible any of our prior guests have just lied to us about their location when they've been on the show. Because we but don't. Americans. Yes, that's true. Well, well Jan, for Jan wasn't. Jan. Yeah, I mean, Jan became an American, but yes, he's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, that's neither here nor there, is it? Uh, well, maybe it's over there. Uh, we had some questions. We have some gear to talk about. We have, um, I, I have, I have changed, I have added something to my practice routine that I want to talk about. And then we have some discussion about the quality of your brand as well, which I, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. Uh, but I want to start with a question we got from uh, one of you. And Akeen sent this into feedback at giggabpodcast.com, where any of you are welcome. And Akeen asked a very simple question. He says, uh, you've been talking a little about gear a lot and talking about the DAW that you have and the control surfaces that you use for uh, on, the, on the show and for the show. He says, I'm wondering if uh, you've... Uh, tried the Logic app for iPad to use as a control surface. And it, it, you're totally right. In fact, the first show we did in the new Logic setup here, I used the iPad app because I didn't have any physical control surfaces. And I that was all it took for me to realize I needed a physical control surface. When we're doing the show, I have lots going on, and I found myself distracted because I had to look at the iPad to grab a fader uh, instead of just being able to kind of feel where it was with my fingers and adjust things. So, and I don't know if I'm looking at the, if, unless I'm looking at the iPad screen, I don't know if I've grabbed the fader and if I'm moving it, uh, right. or not. Right. But you are totally right. Akeens that using your tablet of any kind, and most of your DAWs out there have, you know, complimentary tablet apps that go along with them. Th they work it, depending on what you're doing for me, I'm trying to kind of do things in a live setting. So while we're doing these shows, so I, I wanted the physical control surface, but if what you're doing is just, you know, mixing some tracks or whatever, and it's just you there having the iPad is great because with the, with the mouse, you can only control one thing at a time. So you can't be moving things up and down. We were doing a, we're doing a project, Paul and I with some friends of ours where we've got, uh, multiple lead vocalists, and I had to kind of cut in each person at the right time. And what I did was I just used two fingers on mute buttons jumping around, but I had to hit them both at the same time so that the automation in Logic would follow me and do that. I could have done that on the iPad for sure. I obviously did it with one of my control surfaces here, but I easily, uh, but I could not have done it with the mouse, right? Because I can only click one thing at a time and moving things around. So you can have your fingers on two things. The iPad is definitely, in fact, it's probably the right way to start to see if you like the experience of having that multi-touch uh, type of thing. And then from there, you can decide is the, you know, is the iPad enough? If so, then you're done and probably without spending extra money. If not, well, then we've given you a bunch of options and we have some more coming too to talk about. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're getting a phone call. Do you, uh, do you <laughs> it's now a bad time for you? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's uh, ringing on my control surface, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah there you go. Your, yeah, yes, your control surface. That's right. Have you been, I know you've been messing around with your audio interfaces and logic. Have you used, an iPad or even your phone as the logic remote to, to I haven't. And I'm actually really interested to do that. So, you know, I've got 
kind of a little corner here that my, you know, I got my new universal audio arrow and yeah. my MacBook air and, you know, it's got enough room for some mics, but usually I'm just kind of sitting right at my computer when I'm doing this stuff. And, and, uh, I, I haven't found it what a need for control surface in my, yeah. in my environment would be, Yep. but, um, yeah, not everybody okay. needs one, right? It's, um, it, it really you need one cause you're, you're seated at your drums often while you're doing things. You know, at my drums, I use the um, I use my iPad at my drums to trigger right. logic because it's because it's remote and far away. Now, I could use that uh, Bluetooth interface that I talked about in the last episode or two episodes ago. I suppose it was the uh, Korg Nano Control that I could easily just bring across to the to the drums. But uh, the iPad is fine because I can. The nice part about the iPad is I can see, you know, where what what measure I'm on and all of that stuff and kind of move things around in a in a very visual way without being in front of my computer. Uh, but I'm not but I'm not I don't need to do multiple things at once. So I'm not using the iPad in that way, um, but it is a it is a good visual interface as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm using all kinds of things. And in fact, here at my desk, I could use the iPad and one of these physical control surfaces simultaneously. You could have, you know, these control surfaces only see eight tracks at a time. So I could have the iPad on one set of, you know, eight tracks and the, uh, you know, this like the platform M plus that I'm using now still on another set of eight tracks and mix them separately. It, it, it's very cool how, how you can sort of, you know, mix and match things. It's all very flexible, which is great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where we are with that. Um, I got a note from the folks at Yamaha. Uh, so full disclosure, but we, uh, but I've also seen other drummers mentioning this too. I don't know if they also got notes from Yamaha, but it is working. A couple of years ago, Paul, we talked about this thing called the Yamaha EAD 10, which is a, a microphone and a trigger. The microphone mounts on the hoop of your, like the top side of the hoop of your bass drum. And then the trigger if it if you have one, it sits on your snare drum and it is built to be a um, sort of an electronic addition to your drum set where you can trigger different sounds based on on these things that you have. But it is a microphone and so it can record your drums and, and believe it or not, having a mic right sort of in the middle of the kit picks up quite a bit of the kit. Like it's a pretty good mix of your drums and it also picks up your voice if you're talking and your drums aren't playing. And a lot of folks that have been doing sort of Skype lessons and even some recording have been using the EAD-10 to facilitate that so that they can give their drum lessons and stuff with their students being able to hear them and then also being able to hear their drums in a way that, that's actually functional and, and productive. So I just wanted to throw so that out there. It's not quite as proximity sensitive to the drums that it's nearest? No. I, no, because it's, you know, it's kind of under the toms and above the bass drum. So it, it really is picking up that that middle of the instrument sound. And it mm. and it picks up. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't have one anymore here, but when I tested it, I, I, I did some recording with it and thought, you know, like this might even work live uh, for, you know, miking drums. If you just needed to add some, just, you know, some general drums to the, to a live mix, it's probably, there, there are better ways to do it, but, but it, that was one of the thoughts that went through my head it was like, wow, there's like, this could, this could be a thing. And then obviously the trigger stuff was very interesting and, and all of that too. So. Very cool. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, let's stick with the gear thing. You, um, you finally saw FedEx. Paul. Oh, finally. Good Lord. It, it, uh, it was literally a month of every day FedEx saying on the truck for delivery. And then at five o'clock, it would be, <laughs> yeah, we've rescheduled it the next day, literally for a month. And finally, I assumed that the package was lost because it got so weird. Yeah. And the nice people over at Warm Audio, you know, they, they were like, well, let's just hang with it for a little bit more. Um, Royce over at Warm Audio has been absolutely great. He's awesome. Eventually, yeah, yeah really good guy. Yeah. And uh, I got to say, having received the products finally – the FedEx God smiled on me. I am blown away with the quality of these mics. The sound is so rich, um, so articulate. Um, I got two two mics to use. I so, got so um, let me let me tell people. Let me remind people what Warm Audio does. Warm Audio is a company that looks at vintage gear, 
we're talking about some microphones, but they also make some compressors and, and I think even some preamps. Uh, and, you know, the vintage sort of revered gear, if you will, and figure out how to make it less expensively. And then they deliver that, but still in a quality product, as we're finding. So, and then, and I don't want to say that it's it's inexpensive because I mean these things, you know, the mics that we're talking about here are in the I think five hundred dollar and up range, uh, but cheaper than the their 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 vintage counterparts, which are in the you know five thousand dollar and up range, right? Right. So, um, so yeah, so so you you've got you've been playing with a large diaphragm con- condenser and. And a and a pencil condenser, right? A, a, yes. Yeah. So the two I've got. So uh, the two mics I have is is their um, WA forty seven, which mm. is I, it might be their flagship mic. It has nine different polar patterns that you can choose from. Yeah. It's, it's just right. Yeah. And then I also got the WA eighty four. Uh, so the forty seven primarily for vocals and the 47 primarily for acoustic guitar. That's, you know, what, why I bought those uh, two. Other way around, right? It, the 84 for acoustic guitar, the 47 for vocals. Is that what you said? Did I hear That's that? That's what one? I said. That's yeah. what you said. Okay. All right, good. Yeah. I, I heard it backwards and was like, well, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. But you're sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah 47 yeah. for vocals, 84 for acoustic guitar. So um, I got the mics, um, I set them up and my first tr- test run with them, I really was, it was like, it's like seeing colors you don't see before typically when I use my dynamic microphones. I mean, and, and again, we've talked about how with condenser mics, you are often at the whim of the environment that you are, are recording in. And I'm just in a bedroom right now, Sure, uh, you know, and, but I have absolutely loved the nuance, especially on my uh, Martin guitar. Um, I have a, 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 a OMJM, the John Mayer model. And, um, Man, just the subtleties of the bass, the crispness of the mids. I mean, really, it's just beautiful. Like, bring a tear to your eye, beautiful. I've been so happy with what I have. And I actually did a a small recording session um, on vocals with the 47. I'm doing a a Beatles project with a friend of mine, and and, uh, I was just so happy with the richness that it brought out of, of my voice. Well, that's a, uh, so that's a tube condenser. Essentially it's, it's their clone of the Neumann U 47 mic, right? Which, and K, K, K 47. Uh, oh, okay. I thought it was the U. Okay. Um, but yes, it is, it is that, are you sure? K 47? I thought it was the U 47. Um, either way. And, and Neumann and Telefunken have a, a shared history uh, in, in that they both have U47 mics, I think out there, um, at least according to Frank Zappa. So, um, but yeah, this is a tube condenser. It comes with its own amplifier uh, or power mm-hmm. supply, I should say. Right? right. And the tube is inside the mic. Uh, I, and, and a tube condensers in general are known for their, uh, propensity to color the sound like the 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 pencil condenser that you have the wa84 that is built to just you know reproduce what is coming into it in a very Mm -hmm. in a very you know clear way but it's not really coloring things but it is built to cover you know 20 to 20 hertz 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz so that you are getting all of that richness like you said of your guitar um i've been i've been playing with one of their tube condensers i picked up the um the wa251 which is their clone of the telefunken and i'm gonna miss the models in between but it's the telefunken 251 and and i would say the same thing about this is that it really and i've got other less expensive but not that less expensive condensers because the the um the wa251 is 699 at sweetwater and I've got some condensers, you know, that aren't tube condensers, just regular large diaphragm condensers that are, you know, in that $300 range through maybe 400. So half the price, but it, the, the, the presence that these tube condensers from warm deliver really has blown me away. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, yeah. you know, they're cloning a, I mean this, the, the, Telefunken 251 is like a $9,000 microphone. So, right. So what's, you know, how good is it going to be? And the answer is for a home project studio, especially, and maybe even beyond that, uh, it, it, it's fantastic. I have, I have it set up. I did some vocals 
in uh in this one tune I was recording and there was a a break in in the tune for like a guitar solo and my congas are behind me at at this moment right while I'm recording these vocals and I was like wow well, I'll just turn around and play the congas cuz I got nothing to do while the guitar solo kind of goes along and I listened back to the track and the congas that were 6 feet from it sounded fantastic in the uh in the thing and so I just left them in the track you know I mean I cut them out and put them in a different uh, you know on a different uh, bus so that I could you know mix them a little bit differently but you know what it picked up was fantastic it's great so i'm really blown away yeah so. yeah it's super product and you know as you start to um navigate the world of condenser microphones i'm surprised that there are that many manufacturers you'd think that competition wouldn't allow that i mean there's yeah, there's yeah. a lot of manufacturers and then there's the really big ones that are you know out there and you, you know that are the you know guitar center 100 dollar 200 dollar mics you know that are made by large name manufacturers yeah. but the number of boutique manufacturers is really staggering and how to get started so i think we mentioned warm because of their approach of wanting to basically make affordable replicas of you know nine thousand dollar microphones as an interesting business model totally and and <laughs> to see if they really delivered on that and so i will say that um i've i've it's exceeded my expectations uh, qualitatively uh, of the sound of these, that these instruments reproduce. I, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, I mean, again, I've never, yes, it, uh, of the instruments that, that we're playing, I, I don't know what a, what a, you know, Neumann U47 or a Telefunken uh, 251 would sound like. Cause I don't think I've ever recorded into one of those. It's possible, but uh, probably not any, not in any way that I, you know, have any memory of it, but these mics sound fantastic. They, fantastic. you know, and warm is yes. Their, their whole sort of MO is to create these replicas, but really what they are is a boutique mic manufacturer. Yeah. that makes some really good mics. And, and yeah. the good part about them sort of taking the replica route and they're not the only ones. There are several other companies that are doing this is you sort of walk in the door there knowing or being able to research, you know, why you would want one model over another and what use cases people have found over decades for these, you know, mics that they're replicating. And then you, you it's just an easier, it's an easier path. Cause you're like, Oh, I, okay. That would be great, but I'm not spending 10 grand. So what do you got? You know, and it's good. Yeah, definitely. All right. My next, my next step would be to use these mics going through the UA interface yep, right into my Mac and then stream right from there. So really be able to dial in the sound yeah. exactly as I want it right through there. And then just, you know, it's all, it's all digital once it gets to the, to the arrow. So, right. It's all, yeah, it's all digital from there. Yeah. 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 I've, uh, yeah. It, but your, your preamp matters as I'm finding, I'm not quite ready to talk about, I, I have been using a, um, I may have mentioned it last week. I don't know. I'm all Thunderbolt audio here now, Paul. So I've got the Personas uh, Quantum 2626, which is a Thunderbolt interface. I, I'm going to wait and, and give my thoughts about it in a future episode. But uh, suffice to say, uh, it allows me to have very low latency audio. But the the preamps on this thing are have a lot more headroom than the preamps that I was using previously. And it, it matters with some microphones. In fact, it matters. It with really most is microphones. remarkable how simple it's gotten. I mean, for those of us who have played with computers for a while yeah. and previously having to install and configure drivers and figuring out drivers that conflicted with each other and all these other types of things, the plug and play aspects of incredibly powerful hardware now is really mind bending. So, yeah. So here's what I have here is I've got, as I said, the the 2626, the Thunderbolt interface is connected to my Mac via Thunderbolt. And then I have two other um, two other devices here. I've got an old Focusrite uh, 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 18i20, which is, is a USB audio interface. But Focusrite's an interesting company. They understand that you might be using things in a lot of different ways. So you can kind of configure that thing in, in a lot of different ways with its software. So I've got that plus um, the uh, Behringer ADA 8200 that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, which is an ADAT expansion unit. But I have both of those things, the Focusrite interface and the Behringer both acting 
as ADAT expansion units now. And what that means is, it, it's amazing we're still using the term ADAT, Paul, because you know that was what the late 90s maybe when the right. ADATs were huge. But the one thing that sort of lingers on is that the ADATs were built to be bridged together. ADATs used videotapes, VHS tapes, essentially, uh, to record digital audio. And they were eight-track machines. But you could link uh, many of them together. I don't remember what the maximum was, but you could link many of them together and have, you know, them all slave to each other so that you had 24 tracks of audio or 16 or, you know, however many ADATs you, you wound up having. That was all done via what we know is what I know is a toss link connector, the the optical interface that you might have coming out of like your TV to go into a sound bar or something like that, that little optical connector. Well, we still use that little optical connector. We just call it an ADAT connector in our audio mm -hmm. world here. And it sends eight tracks of 24 bit audio at 44 or 48. You can actually send, you know, four tracks at 96 and I think two tracks even, you know, at higher than that if you, if you want, but I've got mine set up at, at either 44, one or 48 and I'm sending eight tracks to each. So I've got 24 ins and outs here in the studio with all of this. And, and it's great. And, and one thing, Paul, that I've done is I realized, okay, wait a minute. Now that I have this set up here and what's cool is because they're ADAT cables or Toslink cables, I went to Monoprice and I bought some 30 foot cables, which is about the maximum that you're supposed to use, but they work. And so I've got the interface next to my computer here, but the other two units are over on the other side of the room by my drums. So I don't have to run mic cables all over creation. I just have these thin little ADAT cables. So I've got my drums plugged in, eight tracks of drums plugged into one of these things. And then the next time Fling is able to, or any, any band is able to rehearse in here, <laughs> the microphones will plug into the others and, and we're good to go. And I could record even, you know, and, and, and we'll do it that way. But as I, and so I got all that set up and, and then I was a little bummed, right? Because I was like, well, this is great. I've got it all set up, you know, maybe someday I'll be able to use it. <laughs> and I thought, you know, when I play my drums, I, um, I just, you know, put on like, you know, I plug into my phone or whatever and play along with songs. I mean, if I'm working on something or whatever, then I, I do that differently. I might plug into a click or whatever, but I just play along with songs. And I thought, you know, but it'd be nice to be able to hear my drums through their microphones instead of, you know, them just being outside the headphones. I'm like, well, I've got everything wired up now. So now I run the, you know, I, well, it's not iTunes anymore. It's the Apple music app. I run it all through logic. I monitor everything in there. I can adjust my mix and I came up with a new rehearsal exercise. Cause I started thinking, Paul, when I get back to gigging, you know, I'm used to playing for, or I, I, I will, I will be asked to be playing you know, for three hours at a stretch. I mean, you know, with breaks or whatever every hour, but, you know, a gig is is a long night of playing. Mm -hmm. And I have not done that in a long time. And I need to keep my, not just my chops up, but I need to keep my endurance up and all of that stuff. And so I built in iTunes, I built a playlist. And and it, it you know, I mean, it's like a set list. And it's songs that I've played with, with bands or maybe songs that I, I like to play or whatever. And I set it all up. I even hooked up my vocal mic because why not? Everything's wired in and I can practice singing harmonies and, you know, and even singing leads if I want or whatever. But I can play a set of music, one song after the other, keep my heart rate up, keep my, you know, keep extending my endurance and all of that stuff. And it's a blast. I've been doing it for like mm. the last five days and and it it. It's just fun. I mean, if I think about it too much, then it then I get sad, right? Because it's like, well, I'm not I'm doing this instead of playing a gig, but it's yeah. fun. I can I can lose myself in it. Is the is the key, and and I you know I find that to be a good thing. So so you know, staying in gig shape is a good thing. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, we're getting to that place now where we've we've officially entered this subjective land. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm sure bands all over the world are having this conversation. I had it with the house rockers. I said, you know, where is everybody with regards to taking a gig? We've been offered gigs like to play in someone's front yard in a court, you know, where a bunch of neighbors would supposedly bring chairs over and social distance and, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of considerations. And in my band, people were 
they were fairly, nobody was like the heck with guidelines. Let's do it. You know, everybody was like, it has to be safe and it has to be safe in many ways. And so we've been talking about how to reconfigure our stage plot. So, you know, 10 piece band, we can't all, you know, except for Russ, we can't all go in a front line because that'd be a 70 foot stage. There's not too many of those, yeah. you know, with six feet distance between us. Right. Um, if we put the horns, you know, which are usually five across, if we do three in a line in the back and two in the front, can we put a plexi shield in front of the brass players? So they're not projecting out, you know, the stuff that they're blowing yeah. through their horns and, you know, just going through all these types of things. I, I know we had um, we had a listener wanted to share the experiences with his band. He's in your area, actually, isn't he, Dave? Um, no, he's in North Carolina. Um, okay, yeah, but yeah, Mike wrote in and and he says he's the drummer in a nine piece horn band, and he says they haven't been together since early March. He says we typically rehearse in a small outbuilding at our lighting guy's house. There's just room enough for all of us. He says I'm not sure when we'll rehearse there again. We've been talking about having an outdoor rehearsal and we're lucky enough to have a large yard that we could use right outside our practice space where we have practice equipment set up semi-permanently. Uh, he says one of our, our uh, band members is also an elementary school teacher and responded with um, a, an, a, an email in this. So I'm, I'm going to share this here. And he says um, in response to the pandemic music Education associations have actually allocated a good chunk of money dedicated to research for these issues since obviously our livelihood is impacted significantly by it. Though the research hasn't been finalized or anything like that, from what I've heard, 36 feet would be the ideal distance apart for people singing. That may just be for indoors. Uh, he says, I don't remember the detail exactly. Most wind instruments are actually less bad as they would seem. Uh, I think something like half of that distance, maybe 18 feet or 12 feet by these studies uh, are required. Uh, as some of you may have heard, all choral singing is effectively decommissioned until uh, vaccination or something of the, the like is available. So I'm not tr trying to dissuade us from trying to come up with a plan to rehearse, but this is something to consider if we were to follow any guidelines. He says, personally, at this point, I'm almost willing to just ignore recommendations anyway for the sake of my sanity and livelihood. But I'm going to hold my breath on that as long as I can. Unfortunately, uh, he says it looks like the, the COVID-19 cases uh, in his area, at least at the time of this email, hadn't really begun subsiding. Uh, he says uh, he talks about a couple other things. But, you know, that so almost that, willing, the almost willing was yeah. the part that really kind I, of I think came everybody's right there. It, well, it, it at least crosses your mind. Like, is there some way that we could make it happen? Like for the house rockers. Could I put us on a football field somewhere where yeah. we're, you know, nobody is not in a circle, not in a stage setup, just, you know, yeah, you Spread. know, that's kind of what it would take for us. Right. Um, I've seen a few bands do streaming concerts out of a garage into a neighborhood, you know, like a block party type of thing. Sure. Um, you know, we talked recently about how some venues are allowing maybe a duo or a single but, you know, I, the, the, it is crossing the mind. You know, my band hasn't been together since the middle of February. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right? No, I know. Yeah. I, I, you know, at Fling, we were, it, it, as, as longtime listeners will know, it's rare that we can get all five of us together for a rehearsal. It just so happened. Like, the gods clearly smiled upon us because we had all five of us together three days before, Amazing. you know, the, the stay-at-home order came down. But this weekend, I I know many bands around in my area here who played full band gigs, outdoor gigs, but full band, you know, they, they, trying to think they were all trios, but they were not six feet um, apart necessarily. So my understanding is I talked with uh, one of the members of, of one of these bands and was like, OK, so how did that go? And. He said, yeah, we, you know, we three talked to each other about what our families have been doing. And then, of course, they shared that information with their families, because essentially this means intermingling those three separate right. social bubbles, you know, in, in at least some way. But he said, you know, when they were setting up, they, you know, they wore masks and they were very diligent about attempting not to, you know, touch each other or or breathe on each other in a way that, that you know, they were trying to to limit any exposure, but knowing that they're going to be in closer quarters than, than, you know, might be advised. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and my friend Chip even made a, uh, a, like 
it looks like what you would see for a, a horn player, but he built it for his vocal mic. He had some mm-hmm. some stuff in his shop, like some plexiglass and 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 stuff, and he cut it down and and found some gaskets and sort of fit his mic through it. And he said it was great. Uh, he said he was getting lots of great reflection off the mic, <laughs> and he said even arguably too much. He texted me at set breakup from his gig yesterday. And he says, I think I'm getting too much reflection because our singer keeps telling me that I, I need to get up on the mic more. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, so here. Almost willing. Here it's getting close. You know, I, I figured my first opportunity would be an outdoor gig. And I got an email yesterday from one of the fling guys who was saying, look, you know, um, at this point, June 15th, which I think is a week from today while we're recording this, uh, our stay at home order will be lifted here in the state of New Hampshire. And he said, so should we get together for a rehearsal? And I was like, I was leaning towards a, you know, like, how can I say yes to the first offer of an outdoor gig that that I get? Like, what would that look like? What would it take for me and my family to feel comfortable with, you know, green lighting this? And to get this email about a rehearsal, which would happen indoors at my house, <laughs> was like, huh, yeah, that's a no at the moment for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I need to process and I haven't like replied to them. In fact, if any of them are listening, this is the first they've heard of my thoughts on this. But it, you know, it's like, oh, that that kind of came as a surprise. Like, I don't mm. like right here in this room where I've been spending a lot of my quality quarantine time. Now yeah. I'm going to bring other people in here. How how safe am I going to feel? Like, I don't, there's so I don't know. I, I, I It's a no. Certainly for today, it's a no. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you, but you processed it. I'm pro and I'm still processing like what, that's day- what I'm, and that's what I'm saying Yeah, is that we are all in a place where the black and white is, it's not a great idea. The emotion is I really miss it. I need to you know get back to it. I, I'll tell you for me, a, it feels like I've lost 20 years of momentum. You know, building a brand, building a following, building a, you know, you know, having special gigs to look forward to, building sure. a financial model, you know, where people are now paying, you know, tickets to see us yeah. on a fairly regular basis. I just kind of feel like that all, you know, stopped. And when I hear about local bands that are trying to move forward, the competitive part of me says, oh, I'm really going to lose all the momentum that, you know, we've worked so hard to build all these years because other bands are trying to pull ahead. I know that they're calling about gigs and, you know, I can't call and commit to a gig. I, you know, A, I don't know if it'll happen, but B, we're not ready yet. Yeah. And I, uh, one thing I did think about is um, I need to go through our list and come up with a, a first gig back set list of stuff that we know. Yeah. That will be a, a good, you know, first gig, you know, Sure. Impactful, impressive set, but stuff that, that the guys can get together and it's not going to take us two months of rehearsal to kind of get the band back where it was. Well, we that's never the thing. Gone. Would you, would you do that first gig without a rehearsal? Um, I think it depends on what it was. If yeah. it was something ultra casual, maybe, yep. you know, but then you get back to the whole concept of protecting your brand. Do you uh-huh. want, do you want your first thing back to be, you know, kind of clunking out of the gate? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, Three I know. Months like, is a long time. I, I go, I think, you know, we have probably 200 songs and we probably have 60 every year that are mixed around from show to show, right? Sure. 60 that are kind of the A-list yep. on a year-to-year basis, right? And um, if I think through some of these things, I'm like, ooh, I have not played that in a while. I know, you know, maybe it'll click back in when you put the guitar in your hands and the band is around you. But just kind of thinking about the changes for some of these things, I'm like, oh, I'm going to need to do some woodshedding on that. So, uh, well, how about you? I mean, would you would you take a casual gig and just see what happens, or would you be like, nope, people expect a certain qualitative aspect to what we do. You know, we you should at least get together once or twice and get through stuff. Well, it, it depends on the on the band. Right. If it's Monkey Fist, that band is fully prepared because we've done it many times where, you know, we have. Yeah, we can walk in and and it'll be fine. But that's an acoustic thing. If anybody is truly like, you know, out of sync on something, you just sort of fade away and and, you know, catch up and it's fine. That's very different than a full band gig. Mm -hmm. So I kind of and I still assume that my first gig back might be a Monkey Fist gig like it. That still seems to make sense. It's only three people. 
Uh, so that's a little easier. The three of us in Monkey Fist have been communicating a lot throughout this, and everybody is very much on the on the same page in terms of of you know how we've been you know quarantining or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it might be a bitter pill gig. It it might be a fling gig, maybe. It could be an uptown celebration gig. There was one of those that was sort of floating and then fell off the schedule. Um, so what would it feel like walking into one of those gigs on, you know, unrehearsed or no, with no recent rehearsal for for fling? Well, for for bitter pill, I think we could do it uh, I, at that band. You know, we just spent some time in the studio. Uh, you know, I would uh, but I, I would feel OK doing that with fling. Uh, I don't know how I would feel about that. It would depend on the length, like you with the house rockers, it would depend on how casual it is. You know, how long do we have to entertain? What's the, what are the stakes with uptown? No problem. We're all very used to preparing and coming in ready to kill it. Um, but part of that includes what I started doing five days ago, which is, you know, playing along with set lists. I would, uh, you know, not just to keep my endurance up, but also to, you know, stay up to speed on some of these tunes that we're playing. And that yeah. actually has been fun. Cause I've, there are a lot of tunes I put on this list that are just fun to play that, but aren't really, you know, the type of thing that would be challenging technically or anything on the drums. It is good to play grooves because that's most of what I do as a drummer. And so, you know, playing, I do play along with clicks and stuff, but playing along with just tunes in general, uh, has been great. I've learned a lot of things about, oh, this song actually, you know, flows a little differently or this, you know, you, you, you learn things over time playing with your band that maybe need to be unlearned um, at times. Mm. So, so I would, I would, I would entertain doing a rehearsal less gig with any of the bands I regularly play with. Uh, but, you know, I, I have some, like you like you, I have some questions about what are the stakes? What's that? What's that gig going to yeah. look like? You know, does everybody in attendance know that it's a, you know, a, a, a straight out of quarantine kind of thing? And this is the first time the five of us have seen each other or the three of us have seen each other. Like, are we all on that page, including everybody in the crowd? If so, okay, you know, we're all in this together. This is, you know, new ground. We might have some communication on stage that is a little more you know, behind the curtain than you would normally see. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that kind of stuff. But, but right now I feel like that might be accepted far more than it might have been two years ago or even two years from now. Right. So I wonder if you schedule like a one hour thing, give yourself the room that if it's going well to keep going further, but just yeah. a one hour thing and find out how much muscle memory will actually kick in. Yeah. Well, you don't have right? to know though. Not, you can rehearse. It's not going well. Go, right. <laughs> Like you can practice before you get there. Yeah, but so much own. of, yeah, you can, and you should know your changes and things like that. But the, you know, there's all those subtle, I mean, for me, obviously the hardest thing will be remembering my harmony parts. Right. Right. Cause those, but that is what muscle memory will kick in. Right. 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 So that's right. harder to rehearse. Yeah. I was yeah. actually thinking about, yeah, I was thinking about this whole, you know, qualitative aspect and, you know, I've been really championing the concept that, you know, the musicians who are staying at home really need to look into streaming and and how uh, how they can use this time to stay in touch with fan bases. And, you know, we've been talking about the technology behind streaming, the products and tools and all that type of stuff. I've actually my perspective on this stuff is shifting. I'm going to do my last regularly scheduled streaming gig uh, this coming Thursday. So I've done this will be the 10th one. And the reason my perspective is is shifting is a there's a lot of people in my kind of local scene who are streaming a lot. Sure. Um, uh, and as I've shared a couple times, we have a good local fan base. I think that they're going to get a little or are getting kind of fatigued. You know, every stream is a request for tips. Yeah. And there's a there's a limit to that. Right. Yep. And also, you know, the quality of the streams are so varyingly different. So if you're just looking at it, you know, from like the state of music in my area there, it's it's moving. You know, there's some people who put a lot of time and effort into the qualitative aspects, technology, you know, making it a great experience. And some people just, you know, put their phone mic up and it sounds like a phone mic. Right. Yep. And so I kind of want to back away from that a little bit and spend some time on some qualitative things. But I have been thinking about, you know, even if 
even if we're not going to perform live for a while, what what do I what do I want to do with the time here? So I can still always say, hey, you know, I've been working on some new songs. I'm going to pop up a, a show. And, you know, that's the beauty of that stuff, sure. right? You know, it's the scheduled, you know, mm. prepare every week for a new show. And I've been doing pretty much different different material every week for 10 weeks. And, you know, there's a certain amount of investment in time. I really think we we say always be performing. And what we're really saying is is the quality of what you give people through your music needs to be upheld. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Be performing when you're performing, but yes, <laughs> but not every day <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to use stage, this time. Do it. Yeah. 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 I want to use this time to like do high quality videos, um, you know, more collaborations that include video components to it. Um, like on location videos, go someplace interesting mm. and, and film, make sure the songs are really polished and well, you know, I, like I said, the, the hardest part for me of doing all these things, I don't like the reading off of an iPad. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I don't, I don't ask for tips right now. It's, it's like there, this all started out as a way to just kind of keep people company as we've gone through shelter in place. But now, you know, in my area, it's definitely become people have claimed certain nights and certain you know, time yeah. slots and, you know, <laughs> there's a pretty, you know, you can watch about 10 streams a week of the same people who are doing it every single week. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to opt out of that, but what I want to do to kind of like still per- purvey my brand is just focus on quality things uh, and interesting things. So everybody's streaming now. So I may stream once in a while and, you know, I, I fully expect I will. But doing kind of cool, high quality things where the sound is really good and the visuals are really good and the song is really good um, are the, my kind of new perspective on this. And, you know, that's kind of what social media is, is, you know, always be performing. Social media is a largely visual, um, you know, unless you're iTunes or Spotify and you've just uploaded a track there. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, if you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, it is a visual medium. And so I think the differentiator is going to be learning about cameras, learning about lighting, learning about video editing, along with the chops that you bring to the musical aspects of what you do. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally get that. I mean, it, what you're talking about is sort of where I've been living in this world since quarantine began. You know, we, I, I started this with a, a bit of a jump start in our fling project, right? We also had just finished tracking the bitter pill record, so I've been doing a lot of the mixing and, and, and mastering and all of, you know, learning about that and sort of and that stuff is something that I find enjoyable, but I can also lose hours and hours into. And yeah. right. And, and but that's like that's been a good thing because I feel fulfilled at the end of that, you know, and, right. and of course, all of this rejiggering and and new gear and, and, you know, resetting of my audio setup here in the studio is very much driven by the fact that I'm spending a lot more time up here and doing things. It's like, oh, how could I do stuff? You know, you you asked me today before the show, you were asking, does it make sense to get, you know, some kind of uh, outboard preamp? And and I had to laugh because that's how all of this started for me was at the beginning of quarantine. I was like, you know, I I, I deserve a nice preamp for my podcast <laughs> mic. I'm going to be sitting in this stadium uh, in, in, this, in this room for the next 10 weeks. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm literally a professional podcaster. I should get a decent preamp. And so I posted on Facebook, like, what do people think about this one? And I had all kinds of comments. But one of my friends uh, who I've done all kinds of things with, uh, he's a theater guy. He also works in the, you know, in the tech industry. And he said, uh, you know, why are you investing in more outboard gear? Why? aren't you doing this internal? And I said, well, I need to have faders, you know? And he's like, so you could get a control surface. And I was like, I've got an iPad. Well, I've got, wait a minute, like, (laughs) aha. And, and so, and so began, you know, a very um, lucrative quarantine for all the audio gear making companies. So, um, yeah, so I get this, you know, and I've been living in this world, but part of what I missed was keeping my, sort of my endurance up. I've been playing enough, although I have admittedly taken periods of like, you know, seven to 10 days off from playing the drums at all. And that's not good for me uh, in a lot of ways, not physically, not emotionally, you know, psychologically, all of that. But, uh, but certainly my, you know, I started to worry about like, what's that first gig going to, what's the beginning of set three at that first gig going to feel like, yeah. <laughs> you know? 
And and so that's why I set up this new thing to 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 do what you've been doing on a weekly basis, right? You know, you've been out there performing, uh, even though there's, you know, maybe, you know, your wife and your dogs, but you know, there's no one in the room with you. You're still going through the motions of now I am going to get on stage and not get off for a little while, you know, and I've got it. You've got to keep your focus and all of that stuff that goes along with it, uh, is, is what I've been doing now. What I'm thinking of adding next week, Paul is, uh, I've got some some logs outside that need to be moved from one side of my yard to the other. So I figure I'll cook some some chicken wings first and then I'll set those <laughs> on a table and I'll go move the logs for like 30 minutes. Uh, and then I'll I'll eat the cold chicken wings and, <laughs> and drink some warm beer and come up and play my drums for an hour and, uh, and or maybe two hours. And then uh, I'll drink some more warm beer maybe during the process. And then I'll go move some of the logs back at the uh, at the end and and really kind of get my myself, you know, in that gig experience mode. Oh, and I'll, I'll donate 50 bucks somewhere to offset what I what it would have cost me to, you know, play you that go. gig and gas. And it's a gig food. And right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> I don't know, man. My point to all this is that the the like the point of streaming was to do something cool, you know, do help, you know, be connected to human beings, you know, part of what being a musician is, you know, yeah. during the shelter in place, it turned into an obligation. Mm. Um, and I don't think it, I was given the most quality to the to people that I would want to. That's what I would like to upgrade my brand's reputation for. So like well-rehearsed music presented in really, you know, nice formats that is that works for me. It, it may and, and again, everybody, you know your audience. So if totally. your audience is like, hey, it's casual here. We'll take requests and we'll and we'll sing together. And you know, there, there's there's a, a, some room for you know fudging. Yeah, there's nothing um, wrong with that's that. That's cool. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. Just you, be aware. you know your audience. That's it. Yeah. That's but it. I, I know that it, you know, to me, um, once I got beyond and people have plenty of things to keep them company now in shelter in place and as shelter in place is winding down. We haven't even had the discussion in depth about, you know, if you're going to be on social media, why are you focusing on the hundred people in your town? You now have an audience of millions that you can, <laughs> yeah, you know, billions, adjust your fact. strategy yeah. for that. Yeah. yeah. Adjust your strategy. So that's another conversation. But what I think is, is that there's a lot of streaming. Um, there's major artists that are streaming. There's a lot of local artists. And, you know, the charm of the local artists is that they are kind of like home concerts, right? Yeah. Yeah, but, for sure, um, yeah, for me, I think uh, it, it is uh, the next step is going to be to take the understanding of uh, use streaming as one tool to continue to invest in building my audience, the audience for the house rockers and the audience for my social stuff. But, you know, instead of it being, you know, Seinfeld every Thursday at eight, you know, it's it's going to be there. Those will be special events. Boy, that's a throwback. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, kids, you can ask your parents about that. <laughs> Who's Seinfeld? <laughs> yeah. What's, what, a, what's a Seinfeld? Why, and why do we care about Thursday at eight? That's right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it's, it's interesting. Um, and our state, like by the end of this month, we will have most everything opened. Even overnight camps, I think are due to open on the 28th or something like that. Amazing. I, again, there's, it's not just like, all right, forget it. You know, everything's back to normal. That's, that's not what open means. There are very specific and like for overnight camps, because my son is technically working at one this summer, although they are not on site yet and may not be at all, even if the state opens up. But Mm -hmm. um, but I went and read it and it was 12 pages of restrictions and how you will do things. And, and, you know, like, I mean, it it's not it's not going to be like business as usual. It will be, you know, limited uh, and all like everything else. You know, you got distancing and all that stuff. But I, I, I think there's a lot of what's going on that is just like, well, we're going to we're going to test it out and see if. Um, infection numbers rise. We've been really low here in New Hampshire. So mm-hmm. it's not surprising that we are, you know, loosening things up uh, at the rate that we are. I, I, I say that thinking about it logically, emotionally, I'm not sure how I feel about opening things up. Like, am I going to let with you? Am I going to let other people through that door over there? Mm, I don't know about that, you know, but I might go play a gig with them somewhere else outside. Like that, I, that would not, 
that's something I feel like I could almost I could willing myself to, well, almost willing. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, like my, my wife and daughter, I think tomorrow night are going to go for the first time to their, uh, to a yoga class at the gym that they uh, used to practice at or have always practiced at. Um, and they've got, you know, again, the, the restrictions and all of that stuff, it's hot yoga. So it's a warm room, which is, you know, good for, uh, cooking away viruses and, and they've got, you know, sp spots on the floor to keep people. They've got, I think eight to 10 foot bubbles for each person is how they've sort of built it. And you lay down your mat, you wear a mask all the way to the mat, and then you take your mask off, you know, uh, no showers, no, no changing rooms, you know, all of uh, all those restrictions that would make sense to, to be able to, you know, attempt to do this. So, um, but it's every step is, you know, interesting. My son graduates this week from high school. And so we're, we've got plans to go out to dinner, um, one night outdoor dining, you know, the whole thing. But even that is like, huh, are we, are we doing too much? Like, how do we feel about that? You know, it's there's a lot to process, man. I'm glad I have For some sure. music to play, and we've got a little project we're working on together. I love it. With and some, another one coming with some friends, and another one coming. I know. Yeah, no, it's it's good. We'll have we'll have details to share soon. I think so. Coolio. Well, that's what I got. Man. Hey, did you, before we go, did yeah, you man. um did you see that video that our friend Adam Johnson from Cover Band Confidential did that he shared of him doing that darkness song on our on our Facebook page? You know, that, I that I, kid has pipes. I, I, I've seen him sing before and yes, he has pipes. I have not seen that video. I, w one thing I hate about Facebook's user experience is a lot of times I will see a video that like, I want to like, I, like that one, I want to watch this, but not at the moment. Like I can't, yeah. you know, and I'll save it, but then I never remember to go back. So now I'm actually writing down a note to, to make sure that I go back and watch that. So I will. Yeah. It, it was good though. Huh? Yeah, no, no, Adam is the singer and, you know, he has some great rockers that are, you know, playing yeah. with him and he's a good guitar player as well, yeah. but that guy can sing. Huh. All right. Well, I will, I will go check it out and I'll put a link to it. If, once I find the link, I will put it in the show notes. So absolutely. So, yeah. Cool. Good job, Adam. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to, uh, can't wait to check it out. Cool. All right. Well, that's what we got for today, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Paul, thanks for, uh, all the stuff we get to do together. This has been, yeah. you know, like even, even, even just this show. And I don't mean to be dismissive about our show, like it clearly, but you know, even just this, this thing where we get to get together once a week has, has also been a good thing during quarantine and good thing for the last five plus years too. So I know. agree with you, David. Yeah, it is awesome. It's a lifeline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. All right, folks. Well, take it easy. Always be performing, be safe. Remember when we started this and we would just say, wash your hands, and we thought that that might, might be the end of it? <laughs> yeah, good times. <laughs>